Welcome to the Heal Utah podcast, your source for politics, culture, economics, and everything in between through an environmental lens. Thanks to our sponsors, Cool Clothing, for making this episode possible. Cool Clothing, based here in Salt Lake City, is a product-driven apparel company with a passion for the outdoor experience. They are a group of artists, designers, and athletes who collaborate to create great products that are timeless and in a constant state of evolution. Born in the mountains of Utah, their innovative designs and technical fabrics have been enhancing movement and outfitting adventures for 30 years. Find them online at cool.com, K-U-H-L.com. Welcome. Thank you for tuning in to the Heal Utah podcast. My name is Noah Materko. I'm a policy associate with Heal Utah, and here joining me today is Dash Long, professional skier and advocate. Welcome, Dash. Hey, how's it going? Doing well. Thanks again for coming in this morning. So great to be here. Um, so tell our audience who aren't familiar with you just about yourself, what you do, and why you're here today. Cool. So um, my background um, has been uh, a long career as a professional skier, big mountain, extreme skiing, and and uh, mostly making ski films. Um <laughs> I skied my entire life. I grew up in Lake Tahoe. I started skiing professionally when I was about 13. I got sponsored, um, and that's when I got into the filmmaking side of things. Um, and recently, I've had you know a, a little bit of a shift in my life. I've got a couple kids, um, and decided to uh, take on a role with a friend of mine um, in real estate here locally. Um, so a bit less of the crazy travel schedule all year to film for these wild movies in, in crazy places. Um, and with that shift, I decided to sign um, a contract with a local ski brand called DPS. And my whole entire goal is just to kind of refocus my my energy and my passion for skiing back into into the local community here. That's great. Um, and we've been starting to partner with you more over the past year or so to help spread Heal Utah's message. Um, what got you interested in becoming a more outspoken advocate for some of our issues? It goes back. It goes way back. I am. Um, I've always wanted to be more active. I've always it's been a. It's been something that's kind of gnawed at me for a long time. It's mm-hmm. um, as a kid, I kind of you know grew up concerned about other living creatures um and kind of watching the you know the natural world and reading books like by farley moat and voyage of the beagle or tried to when i was pretty young <laughs> um by charles darwin and and so you know the environmental issues that we've faced since you know in our lifetimes it's been wild to just watch the evolution and sort of see you know, throughout my travels, how prominent it is all over the world. And so um, in my effort to refocus locally, it's like I've, I've got to make this a part of my schedule and build this in. It's just been something that I've really mm-hmm. wanted to do. Um, and I knew about Heal from a college class that I took. Oh, great. Yeah. Was that at the U or Westminster? It was actually at the university. Mm-hmm. Um, it was called... It was resource management and environmental impact or something along those lines. Very cool. Um, but it was probably one of my favorite college courses. And uh, it was broken up into three different sections. 
and we did you know we we had to read three different books throughout the semester and based on each uh you know section of how it was broken up it was pollution and then sort of air quality and then waste was one and trash um and then the third sector was food and industrialized food chain and you know overfishing the ocean etc but um so anyway the book that we had to read for the pollution portion was chip ward's book um canaries on the rim great book yeah and so that was how i was introduced to his work and then um Matt Vicenza came and spoke to our class Mm -hmm. when he was, um, you know, managing Heal. Yeah. So I was very intrigued from from that point on and started, you know, following Heal pretty good. Good. Well, I'm glad that connection got made. Yeah. And we are seeing more outdoor athletes get involved with climate change and more locally air pollution problems. We have platforms like Heal and there's POW out there. We have other great local athletes like um, Caroline Gleick and Brody Levin. So it's really great that you guys are all, you know, helping your audience make that connection between the things that we love about the outdoors and the things that are harming them. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, this is, like I said, it's been a dream of mine to align the two, you know, a name, I guess, that people pay attention to in a sport that's heavily affected by climate change. Um, and then to to see it happening under our noses and sit back is kind of I just couldn't do it any longer. I mean, I I I have my own practices and beliefs and um, and things that I try to implement in my life that I that I f- feel like are you know a step in the right direction. But it's mm-hmm. it's really pretty tough. It's, certain things gnaw at me a lot, you know, yeah. the, about our system and and how kind of feel stuck and you know just you go to the grocery store how much of our items come in plastic but at, at the same time it's like that's a convenience factor so it's yeah. just this double-edged sword of living in the in the world today but but anyway yeah to to get back to the topic of athletes you know being advocates it's like I think they just really go hand in hand in this world where we can really see the impact in the in the level of snow, level of snow and quality of snow, um, and you can feel that shift. I think when we travel like we do, some of us in the winter sports sphere, it's a lot easier to see the changes mm-hmm. almost. But I mean, if you pay attention and you're in tune with your environment and what's around you it's pretty clear to see so absolutely so what's interesting or what's one thing that you've been doing or would you encourage other individuals to do just on the day-to-day level to make a difference in improving our air quality and affecting climate change yeah so um i mean the air quality thing it's there's so many factors here and it's Mm -hmm. it seems like you know buildings and energy that our sources of energy are a huge factor and then obviously driving um it's it's tough in a city like this um and i i have to say that i for one i try to carpool as much as i can especially to places like alta um and the ski resorts that's 
that's important, but it's, you know, it's hard some days, but I, the, the thing that I have really tried to do is I, I eat a lot less meat. Um, cause I just feel like that's something that I can do. That's that I don't, that doesn't weigh on me. You know, I want to, I want to do these things that I, if I put too much pressure on myself to do something, then it's not going to happen. And if mm-hmm. I put, if I build this to do list around, you know, making it too complicated, then it, then it gets hard. So it's just these simple things. And I really, I avoid drinks that come in plastic bottles. Um, and I try to spread the word however I can, if there's anything that we can do to improve our habits, then I try to spread the word and, and take part in that myself. Um, yeah, absolutely. And a lot of it is education about just where our problems are coming from. Of course. You mentioned transportation. That's a huge contributor to our wintertime inversions. And I mean, if you've been up the canyons the last couple of years, you know it's a it's its own problem. The canyons are just packed full of yeah. full of cars. And it actually really a couple is. of days ago Solitude announced that they'd be charging twenty dollars per vehicle with one person in it. And then kind of a tiered um system after that. So they're the first gear in the canyons to charge. So we'll see if that if other skiers follow yeah. suit or what happens with that, but that could help make a difference as well. Yeah, totally. I mean, I've heard a lot of different ideas over the years for how to change this because it's it's definitely a problem. I mean, it's also, you know, just the crowds alone bother people on many other levels too. But yeah, yeah from a driving transportation aspect, it's definitely an issue. And I know that a lot of the ski resorts locally are, you know, trying to – they're starting to think about what they can do as, you know, more and more people come here um, and the city grows. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely a, a lot of factors there. Um, carpooling and taking public transportation is right now the best option. Um, I know a lot of skiers that have, you know, like I'm going to take the bus every day this week or yeah, something. Yeah, that's great. Um I think that's pretty cool too. Mm-hmm. And it's just a it's a hard hurdle I think for you know how do we educate people and then how do we motivate people to take tra- public transportation? Um and it, that's been a bit of a battle but I think charging people for if there's only one person in the car that's probably it's probably going to be a motivator for sure. Yeah, we'll we'll see how that works out. Yeah, I mean, let's any step at this point is a good step cuz as you know, we're, I mean, it looks grim out there. <laughs> Sometimes it <laughs> On feels On a global grim. level, it looks yeah. grim, and, and even here, too. Um, I mean, in the United States, especially places like this, we're really lucky because we don't, we don't see trash everywhere. Um, we do see the bad air quality, so I think having it be visible to people is, is helpful in making them want to or helping them to, to make a change. Um, cause otherwise it's very easy to just live in our system and be ignorant to, to what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. And but, you mentioned a lot of good things about conscious consumption, uh, smart decision-making. And we try to talk about that a lot as well as getting, you know, civically engaged, holding our lawmakers accountable, Yes, making sure we as a state, and as a member of the Western United States, are doing what we can to help, of course, uh, help advance yeah. progress in these issue areas. Yeah, I mean the the thing, my vision for for this and kind of goal for giving back and supporting Heal um, is 
to wit to really raise awareness among the younger kind of generations here and people in our age group 30s um 20s teens because you know fighting on a local level when when we look at when we look at these issues on a global level it's incredibly over overwhelming um and I think the best way to make an impact is to stand up on a local level. The changes take a lot longer um, on a national level. And in our system, you know, democracy really only works if we stand up. Um, And it seems like it's harder and harder just with, you know, I mean, the system sadly is pretty, I don't, I I don't want to say corrupt. I think there's corruption in a lot of governments, but it favors, it's all about money. It's all about money now. And it's very clear to see that money is going to buy policy in in a lot of ways. And so we're up against big dollars and corporations have a lot of say. Um, And the only thing that's going to change a lot of these politicians' minds is if a lot of people stand up and fight back at once. They can't deny that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so really it's about rallying a huge group of supporters for people like Heal who have um, people up at the Capitol that are lobbying for policy that helps our cause, that helps the health and wellness of our our planet our state um so so that's my goal um it's it's really the only way i see an impact is just people standing up we have to stand up now yeah absolutely and it sounds cheesy but i really think the only thing that's going to stand up to big money and win is people power of course that's what we're talking about yeah that's exactly what i'm saying it's if we had, you know, if we had 20,000 people march down State Street, that people wouldn't deny that. They wouldn't, mm-hmm. if, in, in, in a fight for clean air, that would be really hard for them to turn their back to. Yeah. Um, there are more and more people activating here, which is really cool to see. Um, it's just, we... We need to we need to rally people from all walks of this area. It's not it shouldn't just be a bipartisan situation anymore, um, because this this problem affects everybody. It it, it seems like um, from what I people that I follow, even even far right, um, you know, the far right side is starting to acknowledge this, yeah. whether or not they're going to do anything. Um, and really the way I see it, it just comes down to money. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. Yeah. And you make a good point that our air pollution isn't just, it can't, can't only be framed as an environmental issue. It's a public health issue. It's a family issue. And at a certain point, it's an economic issue. People won't want to move here. And I think those are the arguments we can bring to all walks. And once we have that conversation, people can start to get engaged. But you know, over the last 10 years, air quality and the pollution has really become a huge talking point in the front range, or in the mm-hmm. Wasatch Front, and that's where we've seen the progress come from. We've seen some good progress over the last couple of years. We have a long way to go, but that progress has come from the people pushing back. Yeah, and so we see, I mean, 
we see that happening firsthand Mm -hmm. when you guys rally people and go up there and fight for these policies that actually you guys have made change. We don't hear about that as much in the news. We hear about all the bad stuff. Yeah. Um, but you guys have made an impact uh, from the very beginning with some of the work that Chip started to do with with his first organization. Was it Fear? Uh, oh, yeah, FAIR. FAIR, yeah. Families Against Incinerator Risk. Yeah, right? Yeah. And and so look at If Tawilla. you haven't read Chip's book, Canaries on the Rim, it's, it's a game changer. Yes, most definitely. I mean... For, I, I just, I just think it's like <laughs> a simple biology class, um, some some books by a few naturalists like Farley Mowat, and then books like by authors by by Chip. And I, I don't think that anyone listening to this is a denier by any means. So, but it's it's like you you just get some basic knowledge from a few different areas and it's so clear mm-hmm. how bad this is from every level and that when i when i go to the grocery store i get overwhelmed and it's just you start to think about palm oil being everything and and all these monocultures um but to to get back to that what do we do about this we have to just pick the things that are important locally and fight for those and then rally other people in other communities to do the same. Absolutely. Well, we're going to pivot here a little bit. Yeah, let's pivot. You've got a ski movie coming out pretty soon. Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, so, uh, like I mentioned, um, I am now working with a, a really cool local company called DPS. Um, and one of the the draws to forming a relationship with them was creating content with them. They've got a really cool film series that they've done the last, I want to say five or six years called cinematic. And they put out two or three of these short films each year, um, that fall into their cinematic, um, series category. Um, and they, they're beautiful. They're really creative. They're really cool. Um, and that was inspiring to me mm-hmm. when when figuring out what my next move was and how to hold on to this this ski dream of mine. Um, something I've always wanted to do is is make my own films. I've always for a long time been a part of somebody else's larger project, which is a great way to just you know keep this thing going. But I finally, in this effort to to refocus locally, was thinking I got to. I got to make my own stuff. This is, I got to get back to what I wanted to do when I was a kid and I can do this here in Utah. There's so much cool terrain. Um, so teamed up with them to, to get this done. And then, um, I, uh, ran into a local production, co- a guy from a local production company who I knew, um, Zach Ramross from Sweetgrass Productions. And they were, they liked the vision for the project that I had. Um, and, and they decided that this was a project they wanted to take on. Um, so it started to, you know, really take its, grow some legs, um, early, early winter last year. And we came up with a a pretty cool concept and, um, it's all about, you know, this skier that, um, is just holding on to his ski dreams essentially. And, the the one component that makes that 
possible is living in Salt Lake City because of proximity to the mountains mm -hmm. and such awesome terrain. Um, and so it's really, it's a film of proximity and a, a film of passion for, for sport. Um, and what's the film called? The, the film is called Stone's Throw. Um, hence, you know, yeah, the proximity. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. So, uh, and we will be actually showing that here in Salt Lake City um, on October 3rd at the Commonwealth Room. Um, and all the benefit or the beneficiary f for all the ticket sales and raffle tickets sales is going to be Heal Utah. So yeah, we're thrilled to partner. It's going to be an awesome project. Yeah, we need we need all of Heal Utah's people to come out and support this because if we can fill the house at the Commonwealth Room that night, we can raise a really good amount of money for Heal. Um, and that we've kept ticket prices cheap so that people just come and we can fill it up. And then we got a ton of cool prizes. There'll be, you know, everything from skis to jackets to Alta's going to be putting in some, some stuff. Um, Sports Den's going to be involved. Um, you know, our partners are Steo, uh, Ski City, which is a subset of Visit Salt Lake. Um, and then... Tender Belly, which is a, a pork distribution company that's a sponsor of mine that distributes small family farm meats that are, you know, sustainably raised. Cool. So, yeah, it's a it's a pretty cool event, and we could really make an impact here, I think, if we can rally some people. And Yeah, so if you're listening and you love Heal, you love the outdoors, you love skiing, you love local art, this is all going to be a great combination of those things. So come out. Premiere of the film is on October 3rd in the Commonwealth Room, 6 p.m., doors open, and the show, I believe, is at 7.30 p.m., and like Dash mentioned, tickets are cheap, just $7, and those are benefiting Heal Utah. Um, if you want to go big, VIP tickets are $25, and you can learn more about this on Heal Utah's Facebook event page, or they can go to your Instagram, Dash? Yep. Yep, dash, D-A-S-H, underscore, long, L-O-N-G-E. Um, we'll be releasing a teaser for this here shortly, so definitely check that out. It's pretty exciting. Um, and then I'll have a link to this Facebook event um, in my in my bio on my profile there. Um, but, yeah, just to circle back on it, it's all local people. It's a local production company, local ski company, and a local musician that's produced the music, and he's going to be playing there as well. So it'll be a fun time. We'll just be rallying and getting people excited for winter and then, you know, raising some awareness for Heal because I think the ski community could definitely learn more about it and be more activated in this in this sphere. Right on. Well, the chill is in the air. People are getting stoked, and we're incredibly stoked to do this on October 3rd. So we're going to kind of bring it full circle to everything we've been talking about. You mentioned earlier that you're a father and you have two daughters. Mm -hmm. um, what kind of world do you envision them growing up in? What's the, what world do you want them to grow up in? This is a, it's a really wild question for me because, and, it, and my wife gets upset with me because I sometimes I'm a little bit pessimistic when I, when I see how bad things are out there. I mean, like I mentioned, every level, every facet of of how we interact with this planet seems to 
I shouldn't say every, but a lot of the things that we use for our resources and food and how we get things. And it's been, you know, in the last two centuries, it's been really made uh, about convenience for people and then how people capitalize on, on that convenience. And then those products oftentimes are not great for the environment. Um, and then, you know, the amount of waste that we produce through that and our offput, you know, in getting energy and just living, it just seems like we're sort of, you know, we're in a pretty destructive pattern. Um, and, you know, that can be attributed to a lot of different things if you just dig into some history. But uh, it's going to be wild times ahead. I mean, my I picture my kids sort of being these little warriors, you know. I, I kind of think we're entering in, into a, a – it's going to be a, a pretty crazy sci-fi era moving forward. I mean, we are – species are going extinct rapidly – at the Heal Utah spring brunch and talking about how ocean life might, you know, we might only have like 30 years for sea creatures to survive just with how bad, you know, the acidification and warming of the ocean is. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a fight for our lives um, in a sense. And I think it's going to happen faster than we all want to admit. Um, so yeah, you know, raising, raising my kids to be mindful is very important. Um, but I sort of envision that generation having to really, it's going to be, it's going to be fight. I mean, they're, I kind of picture them as these little like sci-fi warriors, just like going to bat for, for humanity and saving as many our precious species as they can but you mentioned earlier there's there's a case for hope you have there's hope for the future as well yeah so if you I mean you dig in and you see that there are people developing technologies all around the world that are that could be amazing for for our for our future um I think that you know I just read a book recently that's sort of actually has some hope for artificial intelligence. Um, maybe they can, maybe they can, the robots can make up where our, where we have flaws. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that there's a lot of great things happening. It's just going to take some real power from, from the people yeah. to stand up. And, and like this week, I mean, it's the, t- the 20th through the 27th, I believe, is the global march, right? The yeah, climate march. And that's happening tomorrow t- on Friday. Yep, yeah. tomorrow at noon. Um, just think, you know, if we can get more and more people to stand up and say that this is important, um, it's going to be it's gonna be the way to do it. The, the one thing I think about often, too, is like we if we continue to to buy these products and use these services, the manufacturers will continue to make them. As yeah. long as there's a market, they will continue to make those mm-hmm. and sell and sell us those products. And so it's going to take real awareness from from a large category of people to say, 
we're going to stop purchasing these things. We're going to use uh, products that are more efficient and or sustainable that that support a better life on Earth. Um, and I, I think there's a shift happening. I, I do. I think that younger generations care, and this is on their minds. So it's just, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see how it all unfolds. Absolutely. And the younger generations, that's what kind of gives me hope. Not in a cop-out way. I would include us in the younger generations. Of course. And there's a metaphor out there that there's a glacial iceberg, and you can't see anything happen with it, but at the bottom, all these changes are happening. And then one day it flips over, and that's kind of what I think is happening with us. There's a lot of changes happening at the local level with a lot of people, and the change for good can happen quicker than we think as well, too. So that gives me hope. Right. And then on a on another note, it's like we're going to have to embrace change, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, our planet's going to look different. Our planet's going to look different in 100 years. Um, and part of... Part of our adaptation is going to be accepting some of those changes that we've been a part of causing, you know, and that's that's just the evolution of a species on the planet. And we're not the we're not the first species to spark, you know, major. It's true. Uh, major problems for the planet, um, or even a, you know, a mass extinction. Um, it seems like the rate of extinction right now is faster than scientists seem to, you know, know about at this point in time. But anyway, uh, yeah, change change is part of life on Earth. So, you know, maybe there'll be some beautiful creatures after humans don't walk the Earth any longer. There'll be life after humans for sure. Yeah. Hey, right, cool, Dash. This has been a great conversation. I really appreciate you coming in today, and hope all the listeners out there appreciated it. I want to thank you again for coming in, and thanks for letting us be a part of the premiere of Stone's Throw, which again is October third at the Commonwealth Room downtown. Um, show starts at seven thirty p.m. Tickets are seven dollars. You can find more information on Heels Facebook or on Dash's Instagram, or just Google Stone's Throw DPS Skis. And with that, let's we'll sign off. Awesome. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening and supporting the Heal Utah podcast. Join us next time where we'll keep looking at politics, culture, economics, and everything in between through an environmental lens. Learn more about Heal Utah and listen to more podcast episodes at healutah.org.